Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Principles of Success. And this month we are talking about money and because today is election day, uh, when this episode airs, I decided that for today, we're going to talk about um, politics impact on money. I originally planned this to be the fourth episode of this month, but when I figured out that today's episode was going to be the day of the election results, I figured it'd be a perfectly suitable reason to, uh, or opportune time to do this episode instead of other episodes. So, I because I'm recording this beforehand, I don't know the results of the election, but hopefully we are not in a Marxist death trap. And for you that don't know, Marxism is kind of the umbrella ideology for everything that from communism to socialism. That's all under the umbrella of Marxism. And Marxism has its appeal. There's a reason why a decent percent of the world's population believe in Marxism. The problem is it doesn't work. And if you want to be um, to be able to become wealthy and you want your neighbors to become wealthy, then you need to fight Marxism as much as you can because Marxism is the antithesis of wealth. You it becomes so much harder to become wealthy in a Marxist society than it is to become wealthy in a capitalist society. So there's that. And the reason behind that, especially, is because under capitalism, merit prevails above all else. Uh, You have to earn it. This goes back to the principle of the law of the harvest. You reap what what you sow. If you don't plant the seeds into the ground, then you don't get to harvest. Um, And the inverse of that is you reap what you sow. When you plant a crop and harvest it, I'm going to be using farm analogies throughout this episode just because that's how it kind of happened. Um, And you harvest it, you earned that crop. Under Marxism, that guy plants the crops and you get his crop. That doesn't lead to great innovation. By the way, I'm not going to go super in-depth into this stuff because it's super late. I'm tired, which you might be able to tell from my voice. I don't know. And the the as far as this podcast is concerned, we don't need to go super in-depth in it. I just need to warn you about the dangers of Marxism when it comes to wealth. Um, the more capitalistic the society, the easier it is for you to become wealthy. So... And that's why, for instance, India, shout out to my Indian listeners, I know there's a few of you, um, why India is rapidly becoming wealthier as a nation because it went from a socialist economy, figured out that didn't work, and switched to a capitalist economy, and at a ridiculously rapid pace, they are becoming 
more and more wealthy. They still have a decent way to go, but they are becoming more and more wealthy. So I'm not going to go super in-depth in it, but I would rather live in a country where the poor people are fat. I love that quote because the poor, fat American is the exception or European for is the exception to the rule. In most countries, when you are poor, and there's poor in every single country, when you are poor, you are starving. Only in wealthy, abundant, capitalistic societies are the poor people fat. So I would rather the society generate enough wealth that the poor people will be fat than worry about if we're all equally wealthy or poor. Because when you try and equalize it, that's the other big thing about Marxism is it's all about equality and we must take from the rich and give to the poor even though they only take from the rich and line bureaucrats uh, pockets. Uh, we must take from the rich and give to the poor so that way we're all equally broke. So make sure that you fight for capitalism. That's where I'm going to leave it for that because when you kill all the good farmers people die. When you kill the successful people and limit people's ability to become successful, people die. And I said this already, but when you kill all the good farmers, people die. This is not just an analogy. This has literally happened in Marxist regimes multiple times. In Ukraine, for example, they killed all the good farmers, and six million Ukrainians starved to death because there was no food, because they killed all the good farmers. So make sure that you fight for capitalism if you want to be wealthy. There's other reasons that you might support Marxism. I'm not going to go into depth on those. But if you want to be wealthy and you want your neighbors to be wealthy, then fight Marxism. Next, let's talk about um, profit, produce, and production a little bit more. This is back to the reap what you sow. And the reason why I use those three words is because they, are, they all say, share the same kind of, of a root word. Um, especially production and produce. Because throughout most of history, your production was produce. By the way, produce means food. Um, fresh food in particular. That's the, where in the grocery store, the produce area is where all the fresh food is. So throughout most of history, your production was food. And then the amazing thing about money, which we'll get into in a second, is it gave you the ability to freeze your production indefinitely. So production, produce, and profit. You need to be profitable to in your business, in your life, in whatever, in order to generate an excess. And when you build an excess, then you're able to um, eventually, in pure financial terms, when you build an excess, you're able to retire. Yeah, if, you're, if you save enough of your production in excess that you can then stop working, that's a goal that most people aim for. So there's a reason why these all share similar word, and it's because the work you put in is the work you get out. And when you get that work out, you want to maximize it as much as possible. So that goes into currency, which is the next problem that society faced in just economic terms, is how do we save this produce indefinitely? How do we transport this produce indefinitely? Because, well, I'll just use apples as an example. An Apple stores for about a year, but what if I want to save for retirement? I can't save apples for 40 years and live off of those apples. And then there's also the problem with I don't want to eat apples 
every single day. So that's why money was invented. Money is very useful because I can trade my apples for money and then 10 years from now, then take that same money and buy potatoes because I like potatoes. So currency is the ultimate freezer of your production. You also can navigate that barrier very well. But there's a problem with money, especially most of the money that the world uses today. And that is currency is not the same thing as money. America, the American dollar is in current is a currency dollar. It is not money. Most of Europe, it, actually I think all of Europe is currency. And the easiest way to define money versus currency is, is it backed by the gold standard? Is there a physical measurement of what the money is actually worth instead of just an arbitrary number? So for most of American history, which is really short, we were on the gold standard, which meant for every $1, there was $1 worth of gold stored in a vault. We got off that standard a while back. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why money is superior to currency. But the number one reason, and the number one reason that your political elites took us off the gold standard, is because of inflation. Currency inflates. And inflation is a fantastic way for bureaucrats to steal your money. Because they can just print more money, and your money becomes less valuable. So they can then pay off their debts. In fact, because we live in a currency world, that is the main reason why most millionaires and financial people suggest using debt and buying real estate. Because as the money becomes more worthless, you can pay off those debts because the debts don't change their numerical value even though what the money is worth does. And the perfect example of hyperinflation is actually a story from Germany just before World War II. They had hyper, hyperinflation to the point that this man was hauling his money in a wheelbarrow to go, uh, I think it was to go buy some bread. And he got mugged. And the muggers dumped the money onto the side of the road and stole the wheelbarrow. Because when hyperinflation happens, physical, tangible things that are real become much more valuable than that currency because the currency is going to be worthless in just a short time. So that's another political aspect that makes money it harder to be financially successful is when we're not on the gold standard and we're on a currency. And this harms the middle class the most. That's the main reason why the middle class has been shrinking in at least America, is due to inflation and outsourcing, which we'll talk more about in a sec. So the next thing I want to talk about is taxes. I already went into taxes pretty in-depth with the book review, How I Tax Thee. Go check out that episode. But the main reason why I hate taxes is because it means less savings for you and for me. And most of the, your taxes do not end up benefiting you whatsoever. They go towards bureaucrats' pockets. Most of it. So, if you don't mind paying people to sit on their butts and telling you what to do, go ahead. But, if you would rather keep that money for yourself, then maybe lean towards more um, reduction in taxes. 
And I know some of my listeners are in Europe, and some of your countries have exorbitant taxes, and there's a reason why it's that much harder for you to become financially successful and get ahead because most of your money is taken in taxes. Most of Americans' monies are taken in taxes. So um, I'm not talking about just income tax. I'm talking about all of the other taxes that you pay in addition to just your income tax. Um, I believe the statistic is like 80% of your money goes towards taxes in America. In other countries, it's even worse. So taxes play an important part in your financial success. And that's also a political topic. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is regulations. Uh, there is a direct correlation to the more regulation regulated your society is, the harder it is to become financially successful. So less regulations, more money. Now, I'm not proposing getting rid of all regulations. The perfect example of a regulation that I kind of like is in, at least in America, the electrical code is the power wire is black and the neutral wire is white. And knowing that the black wire is the dangerous wire has probably saved thousands of people's lives. That's an example of a good regulation that we probably should keep. Examples of bad regulations is this next example I'm going to go into. So let's say I bought a property that was a piece of farmland and it is zoned for agriculture. Not surprising, it's farmland. Well, let's say I want to build a house on it. No, 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 that's illegal. Houses only belong on residential properties. Uh, okay, fine. Well, what if I want to build a storefront at the front of my property on the road so that way I can sell my produce directly to the consumer? No, no, no. That is uh, retail zoning. You have to only have stores in retail zoning. Okay, well... What if I want to build a workshop to carve wood or build a small kitchen to process the milk that my cows are producing to create cheese that I can then sell to consumers? No, no, no. That's also illegal. That belongs in the manufacturing zoning areas. Uh, and this is not anecdotal. This is actual ex example of what farmers face and why farming in America is a brutally hard industry to make money at as is because there's just too many regulations the the regulations are literally have a stranglehold on the farming community in America because there's just too many rules that are stopping you from doing things that you need to do to be profitable uh, another example of zoning that I think or uh, regulations that I think is just dumb is I'm sure a lot of you have heard of tiny houses. It's a idea of, I don't need that much space to live. Just give me a super small house for, for my bed and for me to function properly. And instead of a uh, $100,000 mortgage, I pay cash for it and all that money I can use elsewhere. Great way to save a bunch of money so that way you can propel yourself forward financially. Well... A lot of areas, it is illegal to have a tiny house. In a lot of areas, in a lot of states, there is such thing as a minimum square footage law. And that basically is just, you have to have your house be a certain size. And that size is usually 
fairly decent sized. Um, for example, a super, super tiny house is like 200 square feet. Uh, most minimum square footage laws require at least like 1500 square feet. That's just an example. And that regulation chokes out innovation and chokes out the your ability to keep the cost of living low if that's what you desire. Now, there, due to political momentum, those laws are changing. But that's another example of regulations and politics that get in the way of you becoming more financially successful. And the last one I want to talk about is actually minimum wage. And I know this one is very political. There's people on both sides who are very passionate about it. And I'm just going to use a example of why I actually completely disagree with the minimum wage as a principle in the first place. So let's say I have a job. It is not a profitable job. It is, um, it doesn't generate m money, and it's not something that necessarily get, needs to be done, but I would like it to be done. But because it's not very profitable, I can't pay a whole lot. And let's say my sister, this is, again, this is just an example, has a bunch of health problems and can't hold down a job regularly. Well, I would like to offer her $3 an hour, a couple hours a week, to do this job. Legally, I can't do that. However, what I can do is hire a complete stranger on the opposite side of the world to do it for me for 80 cents an hour. So I'm not saying that I should pay my sister only a couple bucks an hour. However, I am saying that the regulation limits my ability to get this job done that's not worth $7 an hour because it's just too expensive for the job in this example. And it also limits my sister who in this example cannot physically be able to do a job under that is worth $7 an hour. So she's completely blocked out of the market and can't earn any income. And this job won't get done because I can't pay what the I'd be willing to pay to get the job done. So you might disagree on me with some of these especially probably that last one, but these are all examples of how politics affect your ability to generate wealth. And that's what this month is about, is wealth. So hopefully the election results went good in favor of capitalism over Marxism, because that's what this election was about. And hopefully we still live in a capitalist America and can generate lots and lots of money for everybody. So the next three episodes will all be about money, and they'll I'll go back to my more politically neutral nature as much as I can. But I figured today was a perfect day to talk about politics, because when else would I do it? Anyway, hopefully you guys weren't too offended by this episode. If you disagree with me, let me know. I'm more than happy to debate. Uh, in fact, I quite enjoy debating, so message me on Instagram and I'll discuss things with you. Otherwise, I will see you all next week where we will be talking about um, money more specifically in depth than we did today. And I'll see you all next week.